leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, gang. James Cesar here. Chris Fallon, Naomi Buckwalter. Sisto Thursdays. I'm filling in for the awesome, magnificent Renee Small. So people on her LinkedIn page going like, wait a minute. That's not Renee. Yeah, it's not. It's me. I'm sorry to disappoint everyone. Naomi. We love, we love you, James. We do. Naomi, welcome back. We've missed you a few. I missed you too. I know. Yay. I, yeah, meetings. You know, you have a full-time job. Nothing happens. So. <laughs> Christopher. Christoph. Chris. Don't, don't ever call me Christopher. I will. Chris. Shame. <laughs> yeah, shame on you. It's like calling you a criminal. Correct. A hacker. Go ahead. That, that, that's why I put Chris. Um, well, <clears throat> hi, welcome everyone. And uh, since Renee's not here, I'll do all the stuff that James always tells Renee to do but forgets. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on our YouTube channel, our podcast channels, wherever uh, your favorite podcasts are found, as well as join us live on LinkedIn. Um, I got to pull up comments here, but we've got uh, Sisto Thursdays um, from a very loyal LinkedIn user. And Zoe said, <laughs> hi, everyone. That, that's like the, the famous um, LinkedIn you, uh, unknown user viewed your profile or LinkedIn user viewed your profile. So that is Chris. Um, and so Chris Van Gorder says, Naomi's on fire these past few weeks. Oh, what did I do now, Lord? What did you do? What are you now? What are you I not? Know. I think I'm, I'm like pissing people off with all the like people are like, you're just writing for attention. I'm like, actually, no, I'm just pissed. So now I'm writing about things I'm mad at. And that is all I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, if you are annoyed by my writing on LinkedIn, just block me. It's easy. <laughs> uh, I don't care about you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but whenever I do get mad about something, that's what you see. Those are my fortune cookie hot takes, everyone. I have 20 years of pent-up rage, and I am happy to share with you all the things that are going on in my Well, brain. I mean, let's be real, though. If we don't talk about our problems, then by all means, can we expect them to be resolved? Yes? And we'll start off with a few. We'll start off with, with – we've, we've got a very awesome show today. We're going to talk about the Defend Framework. But for those that are um, – Watching before we get into Defend Framework and all of your awesome comments, um, we want to talk about two very uh, important things. One is the uh, passing of industry pioneer, who probably without him, some of us would not be here, whether you liked him personally or not. John McAfee is a pioneer of this industry, and without him, I don't know that cyber would be where it is today. And, oh, are we talking about that now? <laughs> I don't think well, he committed suicide. Yeah, that, that is. Yeah, uh, I think he got Epstein. He definitely um, got Epstein, yeah. Yeah, he was definitely Epstein. And Epstein has now become a, a, a verb. Uh, <laughs> oh, Epstein. Lord. Epstein. You've been Epstein. Um, that is a verb. Uh, is that like you've been Snowden? Almost like you've been Snowden. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but then the second thing, and really something that has a lot of our community up in arms, is Hashtag the, EC, the EC Council thing. Um, with Alyssa Miller and, and, and so many uh, people that have been voicing off on it. Uh, Naomi, I'll pass you to give us kind of the 411 on it. You've been at the front of this uh, since it got kicked off. And so um, we can talk about a little bit of ethics today. Yeah, everyone knows about EC Council. They're the, the brand behind CEH. That's their, like, their most uh, popular certification, certified ethical hacker. And it turns out that in this entire time, they've been copying works and publications from well-known industry professionals. So the one that was brought up 
the other day is from Alyssa Miller. She is a BISO or a BISO. I don't know what company she works for actually, but it's a, like a Fortune 500. SMP. She works for SMP. Oh, okay. Then there you go, SMP. So she is a well known industry expert and she writes quite well. She writes a lot of great stuff on her blog. Check it out. I think it's uh, Alyssa Sec or something like that, alyssasec.com. Yeah, I'll post um, the link in the comments. Okay, awesome. And she writes all these great articles, and one of them was about her role as a BISO. And so she went to do a little, like, quoting or something, and so she was trying to look it up, and she Googled her own her own blog. And it, funnily enough, it wasn't even the first article on Google. It was the it was the EC Council. And it turns out EC Council had pretty much copied word for word her entire blog article and I'm talking about like uh, you know a few hundred not even a few hundred what am I thinking like a couple thousand words there was a lot of words there that were copied and the only thing that they changed were some of the pronouns so they did a find and replace for the word they and they replaced it with like he she right and they did a couple other things switching words around and stuff but it was a blatant plagiarism here and uh, she wrote about it on Twitter and a lot of people got really angry. And so um, they did a little bit more research and it turns out there was more than just one. There was a lot. There, there were five at least. I found a few. And guess what Easy Council did? Nothing. They just took down the blog. And so the rest of Twitter and LinkedIn, InfoSec, we're all just like, what is going on? We've always known EC Council is a little bit shady, but we've always been giving them these chances to improve, right? But I think we're at this point, guys, James and Chris, I think we're at this point where we want to just give up on them. Or do they well, have a way back? So, so if, if the CEO steps down, if people are held accountable, and if they bring in new leadership that um, seeks to amend this, then yes. If they continue down this path, um, I feel like we're going to see the demise of a very popular CERT, a certified ethical hacker, which, by the way, has like an oxymoron in the name ethical, uh, coming from EC Council, who lack ethics. I was just about to ask that question, like, what does redemption look like? Because um, one of the re respondents in one of the many threads, uh, Fernando, um, who I'm connected with in several other slacks, he asked, like, what does redemption really look like before we we go out and we uh, cancel culture or internet mob or whatever? Like, this is no way. Let's just ask the question, right? Like, what does remediation or redemption look like for a company like this? And you mentioned some of them, right? Leadership takes true ownership, not the fake apology, non-apology that they posted, because that just makes everything worse. Their fake non-apology really says, oh, well, we try to screen our content and this and that. Um, that's total BS. Um, next, like, who are they real? Who's really doing this work? Are they going to blame the intern like everyone else um, for going out and copying and pasting um, everyone's work? But then if you find sites like attrition.org, they've been tracking this activity going back several years. So it's almost part of the culture there. Um, so can it really be amended? I don't know. That's a question for people. So, like so you, James. So. so. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get to some comments because there's some great ones, but I want to say the following before we get to some comments. Um, this isn't a cancel culture move, right? To, to, to put it in the same place as cancel culture is taking something someone did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when it was socially acceptable and saying, now it's not, and you should be canceled for it. And your entire life should be destroyed because of something you said when it was acceptable at the time. And now it's no longer acceptable because we've progressed with times. This is an unethical behavior by an organization that claims to be <laughs> ethical. So this is not a, you know, when, when I saw several people say this is cancel culture defending him. And I'm like, no, let's let's do a separation. Let's let's Agreed. separate what cancel culture really is. But then let's separate what the real problem here is. The problem here is culturally they're taking work that Alyssa spends you know, writing an article like the one that she wrote as someone who, who tries to write as much as possible and you're authoring a book, Chris, I'm authoring a book, you know, we, we don't sit down and go like, and bam, there's an article, bam, there's a book. We spend a ton of time, a lot of thinking, speaking, organizing our ideas, putting it down on paper, hating it, 
crushing it up, throwing it in the garbage, doing it all over again because of that. And that to me is, is part of the challenge here. There's always room for redemption because this is the land of second chances, but they're going to have to come sincere with a different, I, I've lost faith in their leadership. And typically EC council hosts hacker halted here in Atlanta. That's kind of like a flagship here in Atlanta. We'll boycott it this year. We will absolutely will given the current leadership. And I want to get to comments. Um, David says, James is on every podcast I seem to be watching lately. Um, I will take that as my hard work paying off. (laughs) Um, Thanks, Chris. Um, That's also Chris taking the company to talk to, uh, to task um, is what they mean to you, Naomi. Tony goes, you're actually helping bring awareness to cyber, uh, Naomi, which is absolutely true. No, I actually enjoy watching you do it and I want to see who this is. This is Chris. David Brin goes on to say, I do have an associated rage frustration triggered by Naomi. Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is Deval. Uh, thank you for Naomi for all the posts. Um, hang on. We are uh, trying to get to all the comments here. So many of them, but we've got a few questions. Uh, breaking in, where do people who uh, feel outside of security yet find a way in. We're going to address that in just a moment. Um, David Brin on EC Council. I'm going to get to the EC Council comments, and then we're going to get to all the Good break. idea, yeah. <laughs> so hot take on EC Council plagiarism accusations reveal a huge issue on the content management side of things as well. I've seen some horrible examples of this as a writer. I actually blame the client, but the vendor as well. Um so I will just say, I've actually, I kind of understand what's going on here. I think it is a cultural thing. So um, when I was in college, I was actually on the honor board and we investigated a lot of honor board violations. And the thing was, a lot of our international students were pretty much always the ones who were uh, violating honor code, right? And so what I've started noticing is like, why is it a certain region of the world that has like this different set of ethics? I, and that was just the question that I posed. And it is a pattern that I did see. It's not like something that empirical proof that this happens across that entire area of the world. But I did realize this might be a cultural thing. So I actually ended up Googling why this certain area of the world happens to plagiarize more than other parts of the world. And it's the way that that part of the world actually gets taught. So in school, they actually get uh, take tests. And if they can write the exact word for word, what it says in the book, they actually score higher than somebody who answers in their own paraphrase or something like that. So the way they were taught is actually to plagiarize and to copy word for word. And that is the right answer. That's the way they actually do their tests. And I found that completely interesting. Yeah. Uh, growing, growing up in the British education system, I can say that. And um, it Knowing that some of these places have an offshoot of the British education system, uh, I could see that that being a thing. Um, I think the other thing is because it's not an issue in their country, they don't it, it, they're not concerned with it. But when it affects them, then all of a sudden it's a concern. So I guess what happens on a global as market. Is multicultural. Let me just hit you back with that one. When I do business with someone from a place in the world where I know there is a cultural difference, first thing I talk about is what's socially acceptable within the culture I'm trying to market to. EC Council's market is the U.S., where plagiarism is not tolerated unless you run for president. So at that point, right, you've got to be honest about it and say that we won't take professional plagiarism for what it is. Don't plagiarize. And I will double and triple check the work of the people I hire and outsource to and offshore this work to in order to ensure that my company isn't at risk or stands to 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 deal with a reputational loss from that Uh, mr p says hey good afternoon everyone thanks for the team for creating the space nathan says i reached out to them for comment actually um david goes on to say outsourcing content management means the service providers just as at fault and it's pure behavior and everyone's fault gives the freelance writer a bad name but it's not unheard of um, let me see who this is here. Uh, Nathan that says they don't, uh, it seems like they don't really care at all. Their responses, we have the numbers and certs given out. Yeah, but you can very, very quickly lose that. I know a lot of people who've taken the, uh, EC council certs off their CVs. And I know a bunch of organizations that have said, we will no longer give them weight. So even if you have it too bad for you. So 
and I've seen several several people related to the military reaching up to the ranks to ask them to remove it from the DOD requirements. And that's where it holds the most weight in the U.S. Exactly. Because it's on the DOD requirements. 8570, yeah. Yeah. Take um, it out. James McQuiggan says, good afternoon to this fantastic CISO advisory group. Good afternoon to hey, you, James. Mr. James. Hey, James, uh, what about the passwords? It's hard to come back from damaged reputation. Yeah, I want to address this because Chris asked a great question. What does redemption look like? Like, do we forgive and do we let them have another chance? Like, we do, but they have to put in the work to earn our trust back. So what kind of steps, like what kind of actual pragmatic things can they do? Aside from apologizing, um, attributing the content back to the original writers, paying them for the pain and grief for discovering that they've been plagiarized uh, on. So I think those are like the basics, but there's probably more steps. So I'm interested in hearing what you guys say. So put it in the comments there. We'll bring it up. James and Chris, if you have any like pragmatic steps that the EC Council can take to come back from this. I'm going to go with Mr. P here. It's more it's like more laziness. laziness. Yeah. I honestly think that most, a lot of the people who are doing content marketing, and by the way, we see this with vendors, right? Where people like copy someone else's white paper, change a few conclusions, change a little bit of the use case. And if you've ever like gone to like four or five companies and looked at a, read a white paper or a use case, they're very eerily similar. It's almost like they all hired the same content writer and that content writer was like, here's how we're going to change it. This one and this one, this one and this one. I feel like behind all of this, there's just some warehouse somewhere where someone's working and typing up all this different content because it's very similar. It is. It, it's absolute laziness. Very few companies are original in their content and the good ones, you can tell the difference because they're market leaders and all the rest are just trying to create shortcuts up that route. And we can we're on to you. <laughs> I can tell you, I see those white papers. I can tell when they're copied. I can tell when it's not real. I can tell when it's fabricated. It's really easy to tell. I think what we need to see as an industry is to really take EC Council off of the pedestal that it's on currently and knock them down a few pegs. And they don't they don't deserve to be on the top. And they are one of the top certification bodies. I, I don't think they deserve it. So if anything, I think part of reparations here would be let's just stop telling ourselves that we're great. We're, we're not going to be thought leaders in this space because obviously we're not as EC Council. And we're going to just take a step down and just be quiet for a little bit and just work on what we're good at, which is handing out tests and certifications and certificates. So David Brin, who's a writer, confirms that's exactly what happens, James. That is it, folks. That is verification. That's all I need for my validation and proof of concept. Please, one person's verified it. That must be true. The internet said it, so it must um, be The true. internet said it, so it's true. I saw it on Twitter, all right? I saw it on Twitter, and if you see it on Twitter, it's true. We'll get to more comments here. Hot, hot take, though. What's the difference between holding the security service provider at fall for breaches versus content provider providing poor product? <laughs> Actually, both of them are never held accountable, unfortunately. You That's look at you look at stock prices. You look at everything else. Um, they're not held accountable. It's totally different things. You're comparing apples to oranges. In your case of the MSSP providing, um, like they missed an incident or something, right? Like you're going to have a master services agreement or a contract in place that tells you what those next steps are. If there's a breach of contract, for, for example, you would just stop using them, right? Like they didn't do a good job. But in case of EC Council, where they blatantly copied someone else's work, that is a whole different level of unethical that has nothing to do with the fact that the MSSP just missed something. Like they didn't do it maliciously versus EC Council definitely did this for profit and for to hurt other people. Like it, it's just very, very obvious, at least in my so, mind. So David brings up an interesting point here. He goes, I got spooked by watching Team Sisa go down in flames as two Unix guru got charged with CSAM, what is the industry doing to self-police and what can we do if people who have been in the field and attend conferences, popular, et cetera, are criminals and abusers? Um, uh, I, I think that's a very interesting thing. I don't know that as an industry, we, we self-police by talking about it right now, right? We're, we're, we've, we said we're going to spend 10 minutes. We're 18 minutes in. We're still talking AC Council. 
Um, but uh, but I think that's a that, that's a very uh, um, I think that's a very kind of way of self-policing is we're holding them accountable and we're going to keep them accountable um, and we're going to keep holding them accountable because it's it, it's got to be that one I know a lot of people say EC Council has been up there never to me I've always looked at ISC squared and ISACA at a higher than EC Council EC Council is always kind of like a third or fourth rate to me personally you know I've, I've never given it the same weight that I think a lot of people have um, because when they do their CISO certification, um, it's like in three days. And I don't know that you can get certified as a CISO in three days. You can't. Uh, I will say I did sign an NDA, but, you know, I may have been part of the team that helped create that. In the beginning, I did end up uh, leaving. But I will say I was not impressed with the the level of content in there so decided to leave and now we are here so uh, like a master's class in three days yeah it was uh i was not happy with it so i left but all right i want to get to um a few other comments and then we are going to uh um slowly get away from ec council and start talking about breaking into cyber and we're going to talk about a new framework that's come through and why it's critical uh, for a lot of people trying to break into cyber because it does open a door for a lot of people. So um, they are straight up aware of the situation. This is coming from Nathan and chose to move forward regardless and without acknowledging. Um, they should have put the whole article in quotes and added her name at the end. Yeah, or they just could have said, this is a blog we're posting. We liked it. It's from Alyssa Miller. Uh, credit to Alyssa Miller. Here's the link to it. Because that's really what a lot of uh, other, you know, honest places do they'll post the blog and they'll post the link to where they got it from if i'm referencing part of a blog and something i'm doing i reference it by putting a link there and crediting the author um, yeah give, give a highlight summary or something and then link to the original content yeah absolutely yeah that's fine y'all three are great for new people trying to break in this is pierre thank you pierre um do we need a talent uh, manager or agent, I'm available. Nathan, I would not hire you to do that, buddy. Agent or manager. Um, I love you, bro, but um, talent manager. <laughs> we, we have Renee for talent management. Yeah, we've got Renee for talent <laughs> management. Yeah. So we're all booked already. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Nathan. Uh, Mr. P says that would be uh, giving credit and clout to someone who is not beneficial to your organization. Or if you did do that, you might be giving people more clout in the fact that you're willing to um, spread information out, even though you don't stand to benefit from it. I think that's a true reflection of thought leadership by giving credit to others in the industry that create their own content that you found was valuable and you're promoting anyways. I do see sometimes people copy and paste my posts too on LinkedIn and I'm just always like, uh, I don't know how to feel about this. Like flattered? I don't know. Share. Like, share. If you share the post, you're attributing the original content creator. Yeah, share. Share is fine. But I've seen people copy and paste myself. I'm yeah. like, uh, I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't copy, paste, share, share, share. Yeah. You get an I'm automatic just... block from me. Yeah. And Mr. P says a redeeming action could be to open a spotlight space where they invite and promote content creators that are not affiliated to them and share their content creation to be shared as an incentive. Naomi, your thoughts? I agree. Uh, redeeming action. Absolutely. Just share it, man. And all the cybersecurity salespeople will hold all the CISOs accountable. I don't know who that is. That is Nathan again. There we go. Um, OMG, here we go. All right. Let's talk about defend. So we're gonna... well, let, 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 let's talk about attack first, because for, for those that don't understand the MITRE attack framework um, and where it started, it was predominantly focused on the red team version and how to see what an attacker is going to do and ways to identify their activities. And then an offshoot from that is that the NSA decided to create the defend model, which I think for many trying to break in the industry that they don't know different ways to create a layered defense approach 
is a great way for them to look at this framework, to look at different activities that they can do to um, increase their security posture. James? You've said it perfectly. I've got <laughs> nothing to add to something that's done well. I want to talk about Defend because we have um, breaking into cybersecurity. It's so, so Thursdays. And I've looked at Defend framework. I've spoke about it the last few days on the practitioner brief. Um, I've read the white paper. I've looked all over it. And I think for a change, folks, and I'm saying this, um, um, MITRE is not a corporation. Um, there's a comment here. Uh, MITRE is a nonprofit. Correct. They're, they're actually a government research group which is different um, than a corporation and a nonprofit as well. You're sure. predominantly funded by the government and grants, and the rest of it is uh, from private donations. <laughs> yes, and so um, in all frameworks that we use in cyber today, NIST, uh, CSFs, CIS, all of those frameworks all come from a defensive posture. Meaning, if you ever play any of the games, um, you know, any of the war games, you're always playing from a defensive. Build the wall, protect your fortress, keep your crown jewels away, put as many obstacles in between, right? And so you're building a defense based on your thinking of how someone's going to attack. This framework is different. This framework is coming from the NSA. It's funded by the NSA. Mm -hmm. So it's the NSA saying, hey, if we attack you, this is probably how we're going to do it. So here are some tips of how you should start to defend your organization from cyber uh, threat actors. And it goes along the lines of, um, um, you know, harden, deploy, isolate, deceive, and uh, recover. And, and they, they name recover um, uh, something different here. I forgot the term for it. Evict. 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 So, um, and to me, this is the first time in a very, very long time in security where we see something come through that actually makes sense. From a perspective as a CISA, when, you, when I look at it, I go, okay, let's all get together. Now, this is, you know, you can start piecing together different parts and pieces that go along to put together an attack. Right. If you don't have multi-factor authentication, then, you know, password spraying is a real thing. And, you know, you're, you're, you're done in a minute. And for those who don't know, password spraying is essentially a script. You're right. You put in a username, you put in a bunch of different passwords and whatever gets you in is how you get in. Um, so it's, it's, it's extremely fascinating, but it's a very, very interesting topic um, because it's, it's a very fascinating um, move for us uh, in the industry because it's a change of thought. For those interested in um, like a password bank, look up RockU, um, which is a huge password database. And there was actually a more recent one published um, that made some uh, splashes in uh, InfoSec news of how big it was. Um, so that, that, <laughs> emphasizes why we always say create complex passwords, don't reuse your passwords, um, use passphrases, as well as MFA. Because when huge databases of passwords get amassed like that, you can then automate your password spring with a 70 something gig file of passwords. Yeah, there's, um, there, there's something very interesting about this, but I kind of want to give a tip to people trying to break into cyber. If you go right now and you study the Defend Framework, it gives you everything you need to understand and learn in your as part of your job to get a SOC analyst role. Um, and it's, it's very, very important because as you start to go through each and every single step, if you look at applications, if you look at network, if you look at platform, if you look at user behavior, and you start to put all those different components into your thought process, you start to draw a better map of security and you start to get a better understanding. So even if you're not the most technical person and you're a, a governance person, I think defense is going to be in gov I think the defense framework is going to be within go in governance within a year or two. 
Highly agree. And one of the cool things about this framework is that when you click on each of the actions, it provides you with a description, how it is, considerations, but then they also include um, a link to references. So if you want to dig deeper in that area, you can uh, spend the time to research those different actions. Yeah, so we're getting some awesome comments here on YouTube from Mr. P, and he asks us a question, and, and I'll kick this off to our panel. Do you think that tools like Try Hack Me or Hack the Box are frowned upon or looked up to in relation to acquiring experience for an entry-level role, either in cloud security or network security? I'd say you're looked up to because A, they show initiative. B, if you can show the results that you've gotten, that you got into a certain stage, that you've gotten a certain amount of points, um, whatever it is, you've shown that you've progressed in your career um, in, in those areas. Just don't cheat. <laughs> what What's the point well, of cheating if you right can't talk to a hiring manager about what you did and how you accomplished what you did within those platforms? That's true. But remember, some hiring managers aren't technical and they're just going to be, they're going to listen in and they're like, that sounds about right. Like there's a, there's some some people who just really just get, tr get tricked, I would say. Yeah, to everyone watching on YouTube um, and LinkedIn, Thank you for tuning in. We're filling in for Renee today who could not be with us. Naomi Buckwalter, Chris, and myself, James Azar. We're talking about, we started talking about EC Council. We're now talking a little bit about the FEN framework and how it can help people break into cyber. Um, so you can post your questions in the comments. We'll gladly answer those. There's no such thing as a stupid question, by the way. This is a very welcoming environment. So uh, even if you think, this is an entry-level question, and I'm not sure I want to ask it. You guys might laugh at me. We don't. We welcome you. That's why we take time out of our day to do this show once a week, is to help you uh, ask the questions that you feel like are hindering your progress in getting a career in security. Or if you're going through a challenge, we're happy to help open doors and get you through them so that you can excel and welcome you into the industry. Um, James McQuiggan says, passwords, passwords, passwords. <laughs> uh, Bruce Shiner um, um, said something similar. To, I, I don't know what you mean by that, um, Chris, so I'd love to uh, to get an idea what you mean by Bruce's name, just putting it on here. Um, if we're randomly putting on names, then I would say, you know, uh, Roger Grimes. Uh, it, it, it came in when you were talking about something, and I just can't remember what it was. It was like yeah. a few minutes ago. <laughs> Um, Zoe, who tunes in every single week and is absolutely awesome, says password spraying is interesting. The OWASP 10 room on Try Hack Me. Tell me about password cracking using Burp Suite. It's crazy. That's the kind of stuff that you get from Try Hack Me or any of those platforms is unbelievable, right? Because it's, it's that kind of stuff where you go to an interview and you talk about that and the same way she wrote it here, that to me is passion, right? That's motivation. That's someone who really wants an industry like wants in hire zoe correct or i mean the other thing you can do is create your own lab you have a, an old laptop throw up some vms on there try to create a password on there try to hack into that other vm try that like do all these things speak to what you did how you constructed the environment the type of attacks you did the success that you got how you were able to remediate those vulnerabilities that's a great action plan. And um, in response to the Bruce Schneider, I think they were just uh, saying that they have a great blog. So oh, he does. Bruce Schneider, Schneider yeah. on security. Yeah, good one. Yeah, uh, he does have a great blog. That is absolutely true. Um, um, he also has several sure about contacts. So mm -hmm. thank you for clarifying that, Chris. I appreciate it. Um, James says, Hell, uh, heck yeah, love Roger Grimes. Uh, author of 12 books, check out Data Driven Defense, a book everyone should read. Um, it's uh, right over here for me. Uh, I read it every six months. Nice. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an awesome book. If you have book, club. book club time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, we, we've all got books. We do. I'm surrounded <laughs> by them. I recommend this one. Have you guys heard about this one? In the room. This one's great. It's about like people in security and why we're not winning the war on cybercrime. It's because we try to be the smartest people in the room and we're, we don't win hearts and minds for security around the business. 
So, yeah. so very, very uh, uh, funny uh, thing about, not very funny, very interesting about what you just said is part of the goal of defense framework is to create one vocabulary for the industry when it comes to defense of cybersecurity measures. So the concept is the government is starting to understand that there's a disconnect in vocabulary, uh, which is a problem because when I say X and you and I mean X and you say Y and you mean X, but I don't understand what you mean. I seem to dismiss you. You seem to dismiss me. And so uh, that's part of the goal of defend. And that's uh, if nothing else, it's vocabulary. Yeah, but why do we speak in these like acronyms and stuff? I, I that frustrates me. It's like going into a corporate environment; and everyone's got their own secret language, uh -huh. and it takes you like a few months to understand what all the acronyms mean. And yeah. then, like by the time you get there, you you like bought into the Kool Aid. It's almost the same thing with cybersecurity. Like we talk about miter and attack and defend. And, like meanwhile, people are like miter. Like we don't really explain it because we assume people know, but in some cases they don't, and it makes everyone seem like uh, an outsider. They feel outside the group of uh, people who know things, right? So I think yeah. it can be better to be inclusive here. Definitely. And I, I think having a standardized um, definition across the industry will definitely help no matter what side yeah. you're on, whether you are on the attack, the defend, the govern, the market, the sales. If we all use the same words, then we could better communicate with each other. I want to I wanna ask you a question. Um, I speak to a lot of CMOs that want to be part of our podcast, right? But they all speak the same language. I've never heard one of them say something that isn't. But I speak to a lot of systems, and none of us speak the same language. Let yeah. that sink in for a moment. Because the, the CMOs know how to communicate to humans, whereas the CISOs often have been communicating to people that are in that certain vertical where CMOs have to be able to speak to everyone outside that vertical. This is why diversity is important because different people speak to different people. If we all kind of have the same background and kind of speak the same kind of technical language, right? Like we're never going to get past the world of tech. We need to get outside of it and influence and persuade people who don't speak tech or understand our language. We need to be bridges and communicators that way. I don't think we are very good at that. I think that's part of the reason why this book really resounded with me. Smartest Person in the Room by Christian Espinosa, really, really well written and it explains a lot of the reasons why a lot of business folks just don't like us. Like they, they just don't understand us. We don't do a great job communicating risk and understanding the benefits of security. And then we get frustrated as security professionals because we, we're like, no one gives us money or they don't give us headcount. They don't give us the tools that we need. They don't understand the importance of security. And we don't realize like part of it is us. Like we aren't doing a great job communicating out why security is important. So that kind of takes me to the name of the show, Breaking into Cybersecurity. And we wonder why people have a hard time getting into our industry. The root cause of any, any challenge for anything in any way of life is the lack of common language. The lack of common language creates barriers that hinder progress and stop uh, people from being able to adopt to new and different things. And we see that, for example, you know, like you said, Naomi, you go to a new company, right? For the first few months, you're just learning all the different acronyms. They've got, they've got their own page on the company intranet. That's like our vocabulary for what different acronyms stand for, right? And, and you do something very similar in, in other, you go through something very similar in all aspects of it. But the difference is that in companies, you know, KPIs mean KPIs across everything. And quarterly results mean quarterly results no matter what you do. And for CMOs and CFOs, no matter what organization they go through, the reporting is all the same. But where the difference is um, in security is some people say X, some people say Y, some people say Z, some people say B, C, D, E. And we don't have a uniform language. And then someone's trying to break into the industry and people like that are listening to the show right now, and they're going, I don't understand what's going on here. Do I use EC Council or ISC Squared or CompTIA? Do I uh, say hacker, cyber criminal, threat actor, adversary? What term do I use so that I don't offend someone or that I don't come off as being 
misinformed, uninformed, or or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that right now, what we're talking about with the Fen framework, with what's going on with EC Council, with all of that stuff, is the problem with the fact that we don't have a unified language, a unified vocabulary. And the best example I can give to that is vulnerabilities or APTs. Every APT's got four names. Because Palo Alto wanted to give it a name, IBM wanted to give it a name, uh, Timbuktu wanted to give it a name, and Researcher X on Twitter wanted to give it a name. And every vulnerability is given a different name. Microsoft gives it a name. Uh, um, These guys give it a name. These guys give it a name. Everyone gives it its own name. So Don't forget a a meme and a theme song to go with it, right? Correct. And then Naomi and I have to go to the board, and we get an email. We get an email from an executive board board member that says, I was reading the Times or the Wall Street Journal today or whatever, you know, newspaper they look through, and I read about so-and-so. And And we go, you read about what what is that? And then now we go Google it, right? And we're like, oh, you mean this. And now we got to start explaining, well, yeah, we're addressing it, but in our environment, we call it this. And the person goes, why? And they don't understand it. And now you've got to spend 10 minutes explaining to the person why something's got four different names. Now imagine this, a hurricane storming on America, all right? Threatening to wipe out all of Miami, all of South Florida, huge. But CBS calls it Alexander. NBC calls it Martha. Uh, Fox calls it Trump. And, you know, ABC calls it Stephanopoulos. Do you know what they're all talking about? No. Hurricanes have one name. A storm has one name. And everyone knows that it's the same name no matter what source you go to. Cyber doesn't have that. Um, off my soapbox now. <laughs> you guys. I mean, I think well, the horse is out of the barn at this point. Like, we can't just retract names for APTs and be like, oh, you can only use this word now. Like, people are going to keep using the same words that they have. And then just like language, whichever whichever word is more popular and more widely used, that's just the one that's going to be sticking for a while. So what do you propose there, James? Like, well, well, what's the solution? The I, same propose thing. Miter, I propose that MITRE, who's a nonprofit, establish an industry committee, right? Go to big vendors, give them all a seat at the table, sit together once a year. I don't know, make it RSA, make it Black Hat. I don't care. Make it... Uh, DHS is supposed to, CISA is supposed to start an annual cyber conference in D.C. Make it that. I don't care. Come to Georgia Cyber Week. I don't really care. All sit together around a table, say, here's an inventory of names for vulnerabilities. It's going to be on this website. As you find a vulnerability, these are the names. You go in, you register, whatever name's next is the name you get for your vulnerability. Everyone in the industry uses it. It goes out to all the press. It goes out to the U.S. CERT, and we all know this vulnerability. Yeah, they already named the CVEs. That's a really good point. We've already got the CVE system. Why not do it with vulnerabilities? Uh, The the CVE system has its own issues where some people get bucketed lists of CVEs, and then smaller players in the game can't get a CVE because they have to go um, either to one of the big players who have a bucketed list of CVEs or trying to get it. from U.S. Cert. So, I mean, anything comes with its drawbacks, but yeah, that's definitely one approach. The start, yeah. yeah. I like it. I like what, it. What about, like, um, since you brought up CMOs, each solution type within cybersecurity has its own name. EDR, XDR, oh my God. XYZ. <laughs> There's one company to blame for that, and its name <laughs> starts with a G and ends with an R. And, it, and in the middle, there's Art. Nerd. <laughs> Uh, we, we let them get away with this stuff, though. We're like, we eat it up. We're like, yes, we will pay $2,000 for your white paper, Gartner. Like, that's totally fine with us. As long as they keep getting demand for it, they're going to keep giving us the BS that we all desire. Um, and, and that's just on us. Like, I, I don't want to blame the company for meeting their market. You know, they are doing the right things. They're making money for their shareholders. And we as the security professionals need to hold them accountable, just like we are with EC Council today. We need to call them out on their BS. Like, help, let's do it. Like, what's stopping us? We're afraid we're going to get blacklisted. We can never take our CEH now. Oh, well, 
Like I'm okay with that. I mean, Gartner's blacklisted in my inbox. If you send me any email with the word Gartner on it, it goes to spam. Hmm. I'll try that. Hmm. If you put Magic Quadrant, you go to spam. Because <laughs> I know what it is. I know you pay fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand dollars to be on the Magic Quadrant. That's true. It's not special. You're not special. You just had the money. Your investor said, here's 50 grand. Go to Gartner. Get on Gartner. Because if you get on Gartner, then the procurement people, like I've gone to my procurement people and said, if someone comes in, they say they're on Gartner's magic quadrant. eh, Like, no, we're not doing it. But, but it still it still works because we give them the money. Like they're they're meeting their well, demand. That's, that's, that's not the their boys. problem. The big boys do that, right? Right. But we have to stop giving them money. Like stop giving them money to pay well, for their magic quadrant. Stop doing Gartner events. That too. Like and same thing with EC Council. Stop giving them money because if you yeah, what is it? Like dry the beast out? Like what is that? Starve the beast. Starve the beast. Stop taking your PhD. Uh, CEH, stop renewing it. Don't go to their conferences. Don't work for them. Don't volunteer your time like I did. Don't waste your time with them. And then they're going to go away, hopefully. Like, just stop. Just ignore them. It's kind of like a toddler who's throwing a tantrum. If so you ignore the them, they will stop. Though? Trust me, it works. What, what's the alternative? That to give them money? No, like, don't. No, no. That. I'm you know talking what about like an industry wide, um, non biased evaluation company that would help. CISOs or security leaders that might not have the time, energy, or resources to be able to go out and investigate every single AV or whatever solution on the market to find the, the best one for their needs. What, what other alternative is there currently? So there's plenty of other ones, none of them that are very security focused. Um, the, you know, and, and that's part of the, that's part of the problem, right? Most of the time in security, which is very different from, let's say, uh, hotels. When you're going on vacation, you go to TripAdvisor, you go to Booking, you read the reviews, you more or less get an idea of it. In security, you're not going to see you know, Ron Green, the CISO over a MasterCard, go, we're using this company and they're horrible, right? Because of them, we've had multiple breaches and... We're less secure, and no offense to Ron Green, who's an unbelievable guy who does great work at Ron Green uh, at Mastercard. I'm just I, I threw him out as an example. I'm not saying that's what he's going through, right? But that's just one aspect of we're not that open, we're not that transparent in security, mm-hmm. so people are less likely to want to share information. So Gartner utilizes that secrecy, that desire to be anonymous to their own financial benefit, and a lot of other people fall in line with it because. Gartner has those people in place, but Forrester does the same thing. I mean, there's a ton of, I, I know of companies here that do like a small 10 person event for CISOs and charge 50 grand from a vendor to be in the room with those kinds of people. Like there, there's, there's a predatory part that's, a, that's creating this adversarial relationship between someone who's supposed to be my partner and support my security program to everything else. And that's where I think part of our problem lies in a lot of things in life. Oh, but it's all about money. Sure. Yeah, totally. There's someone well, in there flaming a flame because you and me not getting along or me looking at you like you're trying to overcharge me or you're promising me the moon and it's not really true. Mm-hmm. Snake oil. Stand to, they stand to benefit from it. This is what I'm thinking. So in addition to what you're saying, this transparency of reviews or whatever, like making an anonymous reviews, I love that, having a, a Yelp for security products. I think our security vendors can give out more free stuff. So have like community versions and free versions of their software that we can just take a look at and vet on our own instead of going to Gartner and be like, hey, which are the top three AVs that I need? Or going to our network and be like, which AV do you use, right? Like give us a free version of your thing, make it like 30 day trial and let us just play with it and test it out. That's all. And I think- James, would you support like an ISAC that does something like that? So here's my challenge. The people who would wanna do the reviews And I've contemplated doing this on the podcast. I've contemplated opening like a Yelp section on on my website and just letting people come in and review products. Now you've got to pay for it somehow. And that's where the business model doesn't meet the idea, right? 
Because are you going to charge a user money to use it? If so, how many users are really going to be able to come in and pay for it, right? Because that's one aspect. One, I'm asking you to give me content. Number two, I'm asking you to pay me for it. So I don't take money from a vendor because vendors, when they typically give you money for something, they have kind of like an expectation that, you know, if someone wrote a really bad review, that you're going to take care of it. Although here's the thing. I think we would pay for it. We would pay as much as we think it would be worth. So I'm like literally thinking this is an idea. So I'll tell you a really quick story. Once I was fundraising, selling t-shirts for like breast cancer awareness. Somebody had breast cancer and we were raising money for her treatment. And I I had the task of selling 20 t-shirts. Now the going price of the t-shirts that I should have been asking for was $25. But I had the brilliant idea of saying, hey, I'm just going to say whatever you can pay. As long as you can like, if you want a t-shirt, just give me what you think could help this lady out. So instead of saying, this is a $25 t-shirt, I ended up getting $100, $200 for every t-shirt. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is the way it should be. Give me how much you think this is worth, which is in their mind, I'm helping out some lady. I'm not just buying a t-shirt. It's the same thing with security. If we can say, how much is this worth to the community and to my industry and to my community, uh, I'm sorry, to my company, that's how much I'd be willing to give you. And I think we can start like crowdsourcing. I think there might be a, a way to do this, but instead of paying 60 grand for a SIM per year, you're like, how much is this worth to you? That's what you can afford, great. That's how much we're gonna charge you. There are some training models that do this. Black Hills Information Security, John Strand, a former uh, SANS fellow, he actually started a company that says, pay what you can. It's literally their paying payment model. It's like, whatever you can afford, just give it to us. And I'm sure he makes... Uh, he breaks even. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it because he's doing. No, great. I'm sure a lot of people do, um, in in those models because what you're doing is you're building on the betterment of the community, right? And 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 there's one beautiful thing about our our industry is when the community comes together, there's no stopping it. And we saw that on the onslaught of uh, of COVID, right? The CTI League, what Ohad and his group did was the epitome of a global cybersecurity community coming together to help organizations deal with threats that were coming from threat actors who were uh, you know, taking a swipe at them during a global pandemic. So I take that as saying this industry is absolutely um, awesome. I want to get to some comments here before we have to wrap the show. We've got a ton of them. So... Um, let's see. Where do we start? Let's start here. Brian Krebs also has a great blog and article. And Brian also is a lot of fun. Um, can staff cybersecurity training become the new seatbelt for cyber? Should be. I mean, it, security should be part of your culture. And there should be a baseline level of security that each person in your organization should have. Does that mean that they're security experts? No, but they should be trained within their role to understand the risks that they face on a daily basis so that you're aware of it. Yeah, Zoe says, personally, I write walkthroughs on Try Hack Me Rooms. That's how I built my cyber portfolio. Well done. Uh, Smartest Person is a good book too. An awesome security person recommended that book. Oh wait, that was Naomi. Um, your own blogger, do you have them on a site? Uh, I'm not sure. I think um, uh, I'm not sure what you mean by there, Mister. I, I think that was the the comment from earlier with writing the um, try hack me reviews to build their portfolio. Yeah, no more class AIP reference. You can try that, or like Chris was saying, spin up a few virtual machines, mimic attacks on how you solve those. Um, she does hers on GitHub, which I absolutely love. Some of those tools on GitHub, it's great. By the way. Miter, Attack IQ and MITRE have a really cool GitHub uh, for uh, mapping um, the attack framework. So it's, it's really cool. To Naomi's point, know your audience. Um, Nathan says, we're too comfortable. The reason Israel is better in cyber is because they're fo- they are forced to be the best by the circumstances in their lives. I think anytime your back's against the wall, you tend to be better at something than someone else. Uh, look at Iceland and Greenland. They're like islands that are frozen through, but those people survive immaculately in those conditions. I think anytime your back's against the wall, you're, uh, you tend to be better at it. Um, we need a Gordon Ramsay of cyber to go, uh, to go to town on all of them. 
I like that. Imagine Gordon Ramsay walking in, well, this is rubbish. <laughs> EDR, this is rubbish. <laughs> the script kitty from North Korea got through this one. Um, That'd be amazing. And he has to be British. Whoever that does these reviews, must I be volunteer British. to be Gordon Ramsay. I don't have a British accent, but I can. Oh, talk. no. Oh, sorry, G. You, you don't have 15 plus years of British experience, so you don't qualify. <laughs> <laughs> I should get Eddie to do the voiceover for my uh, for my Gordon Ramsay show. Nice. <laughs> and that's it. I'm starting an unboxing channel on YouTube for cybersecurity vendors. Good luck with that. I think the moment I've ever tried to do that, I get a season desist uh, from some of them. <laughs> You violated our terms of service. You're not allowed to do that. Uh, read any product uh, in cyber in the terms of service. They say that you can't give them a review. Um, David Brin says, I would watch Gordon Ramsay Hell's cybersecurity style show. The password is pathetic. What were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> um, John's pay what you can. Courses taught me skills I couldn't really find at a lower price. I highly recommend it. That's awesome to hear that. Um, SH1, SHA1, you twin. <laughs> That's Chris and uh, better with a Hebrew accent. Um, yes, I do love the Hebrew accent when vendors, when they come on. By the way, I speak fluent Hebrew, but some vendors don't do any homework. So they don't look at my LinkedIn profile. So they show up on a call with me and they speak English and they're breaking the link. You understand, James, we are trying to show you how our cybersecurity product can really keep you secure, you know? And they're breaking English, man. They're having a hard time. They're like, oh, uh, you know, I mean, uh. now here's the thing. Had you done a little bit of research, you don't speak Hebrew, you'd ask me, hey, I see you speak Hebrew. How good's your Hebrew? And we can have a conversation in complete Hebrew. But you don't do your homework, so I'm making <laughs> I crush you for 30 minutes. The best is like listening in on a conversation where they don't think you understand. I love it. Oh, those. God, yeah. I love it. I've had <laughs> that happen to me too where they'll like, you know, they'll, we'll be on a Zoom call and they're writing each other in Hebrew or something and they're saying, now you. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> or, or, you know, they're, yeah, it's, 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 it's classic. Um, David signed up for John's classes as well. Yeah. So that's Black awesome. Hills. Shout out to Black Hills. Very Black good stuff. Hills. That's great. Folks, that's it for this week's CISO Thursdays. Make sure to go subscribe and follow Breaking Into Cybersecurity. You can follow Naomi on LinkedIn. Um, Naomi, are you on, are you on uh, the Human Toilet Wall website called Twitter? Twitter, yeah, I am actually. <laughs> I spend more time there these days. The <gasps> human Toilet Wall, that's funny. <laughs> that's why you're so frustrated with so much pent-up rage. Naomi. I know. And I put it all on Twitter. If you really want to know my real personality, go on my Twitter. Like that, That's my actual personality. That. I refuse to go on Twitter because I don't think Twitter is anyone's real personality. I think uh, Twitter brings out the worst of people. Oh, yes. My real personality if I were very grumpy, right? So. Right. Like if, if you had issues and like I feel like Twitter is like the bad therapy room for people. Like, you know, like violent therapy. Like that's what, what that is. That's what Twitter is. I refuse to go on Twitter. I don't go on Twitter. You, wow. you could always be like you have a pseudonym like accidental CISO and just vent your rage without anyone knowing it's you. That guy's brilliant. Yeah. Well, if you yeah. want to follow me, I need more cyber. That's my Twitter handle. What is it again? I need more cyber. I need more cyber. Yeah, like I need more cowbell kind of thing. <laughs> I think it's funny. Uh, cyber. Um, Chris, what about you? How can people get in touch with you, buddy? Uh, LinkedIn. Um, Twitter, Chris underscore Fulon. Yep. Easy, awesome. simple. Yeah, I love uh, I love Clubhouse. FYI, just so people know, I prefer Clubhouse over Twitter because um, I can be in a room talking about something very, very uh, uh, challenging that on Twitter would just get you a bunch of people that will make you want to jump off a cliff. But in Clubhouse, that conversation really does go better most of the time. I'm not saying it is that way. Um, but... Um, I'm James Cesar, folks. Go check out my show, Cyber Hub Podcast, CISO Talk. By the way, you guys should really check out CISO Talk. It went live a few hours ago. It's with the leaders of Cardinal Health. So it's Lori, Brittany, Samara, and Jana, um, all unbelievable leaders in security. 
Um, one of my favorite shows I've done this year. Um, really awesome because guess what? What's one topic we didn't talk about? Women in cyber. You know why? Because there's no women can be leaders, and we just proved it with their knowledge. So yeah, I hate when they were like female CISO. I'm like, you mean just CISO? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Like what? What's a female CISO? CISO. Yeah, same is, thing as a CISO, actually. Yeah, it's a CISO. CISO uh, is gen, it's gender neutral. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so you know. Um, number one, <laughs> number two. I hate people who bring on people and they want to talk about what's it like to be your person with your background in the, your role. Well, it's mm-hmm. the same with everyone else. Let's talk about your professional knowledge. And that's what this podcast is all about. Good. All four of them are freaking brilliant. Go check it out. I'm not just randomly promoting it. I'm telling you, it's absolutely mind-boggling. It's awesome. It's amazing. These women are the leaders of our industry, but not because they're women, but because they're really smart cybersecurity professionals who care about their craft and their community, and they do so much. So go give them a shout out. Follow them on LinkedIn. They're unbelievable. And I'm glad they chose me as the platform to do this on. Uh, I was forever humbled. By the way, I recorded it. Fun fact. Three hours before my sister-in-law got married. Oh. (laughs) So very fun. Chris had to drop. Naomi and I are signing off. Go check it out, folks. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Bye. See you, James. Bye, everyone. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.